Hello everyone and welcome to the podcast. I hope you're well. It is Wednesday the 1st of April 2020. The podcast Sport and Life with myself Ed Draper in association with Bang and Olufsen of Cheltenham and Serene AV who are specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands providing solutions based around high quality customer service and installations now obviously in the UK at the moment as in much of the world actually I think over a billion people affected now we're in lockdown so Jason and his team at Bang & Olufsen of Cheltenham their shop currently closed but they are taking orders and consultations online for people who need help with their entertainment system or want to order things in so worth uh, checking them out and now today's podcast is going to speak to a boxer who I spoke with uh, last summer joined me on the podcast obviously that time he came over to my house here in Cheltenham will not be able to do so this time because of the lockdown but Adam Harper has an extraordinary story not only before becoming a boxer estranged from his family but really the last 18 months has been a roller coaster for him and that continues with the situation surrounding coronavirus he actually had to retire after winning the English title back end of 2018 September 2018 in his 10th professional fight so it's not bad going at all to get a domestic title was looking at big opportunities at that point But then last year, his brain scan came through early 2019, routine uh, brain scan to get your boxing license and said that there'd been a development, immediately had to handbrake on everything and and ultimately retired. But chain of events, uh, which originated in his mum falling poorly with a a a brain bleed, I'll get there, um, resulted in him finding out that actually what had been on his brain last year had been there for some time for the duration of his professional career so another rethink had been in process and then he'd been due to come out of retirement this April fighting in Worcester up the road from Cheltenham he trains in Worcester I believe and then potentially some big fights against uh, domestic fighters like Anthony Fowler, Scott Fitzgerald big arena in his uh, weight division super welterweight in the UK but now, obviously, that's on hold because of coronavirus. So it's been a, a kind of real rollercoaster of emotions for him over the past 18 months. So looking forward to speaking to Adam Harper. If you do like boxing, if you're a boxing fan, do check out my social media, Ed Draper 81 on Twitter, Ed underscore Draper 81 on Instagram, because my day job as a sports broadcaster in the UK on Sky Sports currently sort of pared down because of what's happening. Where Our airtime is reduced, so only doing one or two shifts per week. So I've done some boxing writing an interview with the former Olympic silver medalist Joe Joyce, who's a British title and European heavyweight title fight against Daniel Dubois, a fellow Londoner, has been put back until July. So I did a piece with him talking about how he's training in isolation, using virtual reality actually as well, and painting. He's a big painter. But anyway, here's uh, Adam Harper. Hello, Adam. How are you? Okay. Hello, hello, Adam. Hi, Ed. Sorry, I think I, I think I had you connected to my Bluetooth on my headphones. I do apologise, Ed. Sorry about that. Uh, that's all right. No worries, bud. Good to speak to you. How are you? Yeah, very well, thank you. I've actually just been doing a bit of decorating actually at the, uh, at the girlfriend's parents' house. So I've been helping do a bit of decorating. So that's probably why I had my headphones connected downstairs and I, I couldn't hear you. So I do apologise, mate. 
Good man, no worries. And that's um, that's former Cheltenham Town footballer Simon Goodwin as well, isn't it? For anyone that's uh, like that's your father-in-law, effectively. Uh, yeah, potential future father-in-law. I think that's. Uh, <laughs> uh, I may have to get that question on here because I'll probably be too scared to ask him about that in the future. Cool. So I'll probably best to do it online so I don't have to face him face to face. But um, now, yeah, just doing a bit of a spot of decorating to um, pay my way. Essentially, I'm staying with those guys at the minute with all this lockdown stuff. So uh, oh, okay, just... yeah just helping out the family with a bit of decorating and takes my mind off being bored stiff with a lack of training really so it's just a my way of saying thanks yeah yeah well good for you mate good for you to keep active as certainly productive as well we'll talk about how you're coaching boxing as well in Birmingham which obviously put on hold because the schools are closed down but what I mean I'm just saying in the intro I just voiced a little intro a roller coaster 18 months for you the, the glory and the euphoria of winning the, the English title didn't you a super welter against Billy Bird then that retirement last year. What, what has happened since? Because it's been up and down again over the past few months, hasn't it, since we spoke last summer? Yeah, it's been mad. Ed. So obviously I had the um, the big win over Billy Bird and then um, I, had a big title, I had a big title fight lined up against Kieran Smith, who's now mandatory to fight Anthony Fowler, maybe. Um, okay, very, yeah. very good Scottish kid um, from MTK. And uh, it was for like a WBC international. He's a very, very big punching, awkward, tall southpaw. And um, so it was, it was always going to be a tough fight, but it was one I definitely fancied. Um, but obviously then I had a change in my brain scan and um, that made me want to retire. I was quite content in retirement, very upset, albeit, but content. Um, and mm. A cheeseman fight two days or a day before I retired. That was kind of like the last part for me to say, I've got to retire now. I think I said that on your last pod, like it was. So, yeah, che- 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 but Cheeseman was the potential. He's a British champion at that time. Were you, were you mentioning Ted Cheeseman at that point? Was it before? before well, they match um, uh, Peril Johnson, my manager, and they said, um, "Would I fight Cheeseman?" It wasn't public knowledge then that I'd had a failed brain scan, and you know I had to say no to that. And I think when you're turning down British title shots, you, I knew yeah. that it was time to officially announce my retirement. I'd retired about three, four weeks ago in my head, and people close to me knew that, but. Um, as soon as you're turning down British title shots because of that reason, I had to make it public knowledge, really. Um, so, yeah. yeah, it's been a mad 18 months. But then and then what happened? Your mum your got poorly and then that was a catalyst for, for you finding out that maybe your brain, brain wasn't as bad as you, as you first thought. Yeah, well, my mum hasn't had a great bill of health for a while, to be fair. So she's been poorly on and off for years, since I was 15, 16. Um, she got ill again in the summer and it just made me a bit paranoid about my own health and I knew that the brain scan stuff. So I got all my details for the... Um, my brain scan over the over the years, and I noticed that what was there in 2019 was there in 2014, and um, so I went to get another opinion. Yet again, spent a bit more money to go and see another specialist, and had to do a load of cognitive tests, and it was quite a, an intense um, examination, really, and like testing that you had to do up in Liverpool for the day. Passed out with flying colours, got my license back, and. Then I was rocking and ready to go for Easter Sunday. And then obviously the coronavirus was coming. It's uh, put me on the back foot again. So I'm in no man's land again. I mean, I'm still training and running every day. Not training, I'm running every day. Um, but yeah, it's been mad, you know, retired, content. Hi, Ed. Hey, Adam. Sorry about that, mate. We just uh, got cut off, lost reception. But for listeners as well, just to be aware that we're on a on a, an app kind of doing it through uh, Wi-Fi and stuff. So if it does drop out, I do apologise. But uh, we just lost you there. I think we were talking about the um, the brain scans and having them reviewed, Adam, because that was a kind of, I guess, a, a lightning bolt of hope, wasn't it, when that when that was reviewed? Yeah, so obviously, um, 
I didn't realise that what was there in 2019 was there in previous years. I wasn't aware of that. So that obviously started uh, giving me a little bit of hope straight away. Um, so I've obviously gone to get the second opinion or maybe even third opinion. I spoke to specialists as I retired. Um, I got kind of the consent off my brother, who's a big part of my life. He said, look, go and get it checked out. If it is with you all clear, you can give me his blessing to carry on fighting, which is a big, big thing for me. Um, yeah, because for people who don't know, your brother's kind of your, your closest relative, isn't he? Because you didn't know your dad too much. And you actually, you were estranged from your mum for a while, weren't you? Is that right? Yeah, we've got a very, very uh, disfigured family, really. So, yeah, my brother's the only real family member I actually have a real relationship with. Um, never met my dad and um, the rest of the family. I won't go into details, but the rest of the family is very broken and fragmented. Mm-hmm. So, yes, my brother, it's really only me and my brother. Um, that it's would tough. Cl- classes direct family really that's the only way i can describe it so his opinion was massive he's almost like a brother and a dad a best friend rolled into one with me so his, his opinion if he would have said he'd have had nothing to do with it and he wouldn't have supported me i probably would have still been retired now but he knows how much it means to me and he kind of knew that there was information that if i could get the the right information and i was advised properly that he would give me the green light to carry on that's good. That's good. So, what happened? When was this, mate? What was, when was the decision to, to come back, mate? Um, well, I think my mum got ill. My mum had a bit of health dropped again in August bank holiday. So, probably two weeks after that, I started, or a week after that, I started looking into things just for, to put my mind at rest. I was just going to go to the NHS, see a neurologist just to make this, you know, because I was panicking. I'm quite a dramatic person at times. And I was probably telling myself I was going to drop dead or something. <laughs> it's something fair like. enough, though, isn't it? If your mum yeah. had a, it's a bleed on the brain, I think it's fair enough to, to worry. Yeah. So it just made me paranoid Ed, that I was going to something tr- like dramatic and drastic was going to happen to me. So I got it all checked out and it got the green light. Um, and obviously my mum has never really lived a real healthy life herself. A bit and not really been a fitness fanatic like myself. So she's she hasn't helped herself in that sense. But it just made me paranoid. So I got that looked at and got the all clear from um, the mm. neuropsychologist and then uh, you know, thankfully the boxing board approved me and gave me my license back. I've recently had my medical and everything's been passed with that. Um, obviously, I'm just waiting to hear the boxing board have accepted everything. But with all this coronavirus stuff going on, I'm guessing they're out of the office at the minute. But the uh, mm-hmm. the doctor passed me on my medical. So, yeah, that's really how it's gone. I just, uh, it's just been a real, real mad roller coaster 18 months. And um, it's been crazy, you know. I, I think so when, when, I came when out, was the fight? The fight was supposed to be in, in April, wasn't it? In Worcester, is that right? <laughs> Yeah, Easter Sunday, so a week on Sunday. Wow, and who were you fighting? Did you have an opponent confirmed for that? Yeah, I think it was going to be Kev McCauley, who's like a 200-fight journeyman veteran. I'm good friends with Kev, so it would have been a bit strange. We're both managed and promoted by Errol Johnson. He's your typical journeyman who's boxed just about everybody. Um, A real nice guy. It was kind of just like a welcome back to boxing for me because I'd been out for a while. Yeah. But we were. um, Errol had spoke to... Eddie Hearn at the Zap Parker fights. Obviously, Errol manages and trains Zap Parker, and they, he boxed on the the Sky Sports show a couple of weeks ago. He boxed Rupert Murdoch in that final eliminator. Um, oh, okay. to, to the winner of Canelo Alvarez against Billy Joe Saunders. Um, yeah. So Errol saw Eddie Hearn up there, and there was talks of Cheeseman. Um, before the mandatories come out, we were talking about hopefully Fitzgerald was going to have a warm-up fight before him and Fowler fought each other. So I put my name in the hat for that. I spoke to Eddie Hearn myself personally. Um, and then he offered me Kieran Conway as an option on the Terry Harper undercard. Yeah. So that would have been two weeks after my comeback fight. The, the Fitzgerald fight was on the 2nd of May, which was a Dillian White undercard. Yeah. I mean, I was doing mad things. And I was 
privately messaging Tillian White on Instagram. <laughs> he was replying to me saying, like, you've got to speak to Eddie. It's nothing to do with him. And Really? So we had, there, was, there was options available. And realistically, I just want to jump straight in with a big fight and uh, earn a few quid and get straight back in the mix. I don't want to be having these warm-up fights, if I'm honest. I was going to have the one against Kev McCauley because... Yeah. I did need it, but now all this stuff's happened, I, I want to jump straight back in the mix with one of the big guns, whether it be Fitzgerald, Fowler, Cheeseman. Um, how do you, you fancy your chance against those boys? Because Fowler and Fitzgerald had that fantastic match a year ago, didn't they? Just over a year ago, the anniversary was the other day, and I was, I was at that in Liverpool. It was a great, it was a great match, and Fitzgerald got got the win. Do, do, you, do you fancy your chances against those guys? Because they're they're pretty um, pretty big hitters, aren't they? You haven't got uh you haven't got to be nice to me, Ed. I know I'd be a massive, um, <laughs> be a massive. You know, I can tell by your laugh what everyone would say. No, I'd be not a at all. Underdog. Um, and I'm not offended by that. I'm quite. I've always been quite an honest person in my career. Like, look, I'm not naive to think Fitzgerald and Fowler are superb. Fowler's like the superb athlete. Does everything by the book. He's always in great shape. Um, He's obviously a great boxer. Went to the won, won the Commonwealth Golds. Went to the Olympics and two time ABA champion. You know he's like the the main man. Fitzgerald's lost a plot, in my opinion. I don't know if you follow him on on social media. I haven't I, recently. I, no, it's a shame, isn't it? Because I think he vowed to be to be sort of living in living the clean life again. But I think he is a he does like a party, doesn't he? From what I understand. Yeah, one hundred. Funny enough, I sparred Scott Fitzgerald. I went to university in Preston. And I sparred him when he was at Larches and Savick, and I did a lot of training at Preston and Forward. And uh, that sparring session alone, like um, I won't lie, he definitely got the better of me. He was, he bust me up a little bit, didn't like drop me or anything, but he just he's a very big puncher. But mm. times have changed since then, and he doesn't. It's well known he doesn't live the life. I think the only fight he's ever trained for as a pro is Anthony Fowler, and you can tell that he came in looking in great shape. He wasn't overweight. He didn't gas out, but I think Scott Fitzgerald would potentially look past me. Um, Fowler lives a life all year round, so they're they're all hard fights. But yeah, but I mean, do, do you think people would they underestimate you as well? Because the fact that you had a relatively quick rise to the English title, didn't you? Ten fights in, so I mean, do you think people maybe wouldn't know too much about you? Although you obviously did spar with Fitzgerald, that perhaps you'd be a a dark horse from that perspective. Um, I mean, Fowler called me out when I won the English title. I think I'm well known to a few of them. I think, I mean, I've met Cheeseman over in Tenerife in the in the gym when we we're doing a bit of training, both on holiday actually. But I met him. I think I'm, I think I'm on their radars, or I have been on their radars in the past. At the minute, I'm old news, but um, no, I definitely think they look past me. I mean, I've got no knockouts at Eleven Stone. It's well documented that um, I'm not a huge puncher at Eleven Stone, but. I know I can do enough to beat any of these lads on my day, you know, even if it meant me having my best day and a lot of luck and them not having their greatest day. I could definitely beat any of them. I truly believe that, whether that be Fitzgerald, Fowler, Cheeseman, Kieran Conway. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, I think they'd be naive to think I'd be an easy fight because, I mean, the only loss I've got on my record is Zarafa, who at one point was ranked fifth in the world after he... Um, knocked out Jeff Horn. So you look at that on paper now, and that was a really good loss. That, I hate to yeah, and that was a late. There was a late call as well, wasn't it? In Australia, you got a late announcement for that fight as well. Yeah, real stitch up job, Ed. I mean, it was a ten day notice for um, for Zarafa. They put him in, and he was well. He was on fr- the fringe of world level then, and I mean, he's come back and he's beat. Bro- no, he, he's boxed Brooks since. Yeah, and gave him a decent enough fight, and then he's knocked out Jeff Horn and. Then he lost on points to Jeff Horn, but put him down. Or so it's you know on paper my only loss is against a a world rated guy ranked now I think what eight below Golovkin. So you look at it like that. And I'm not trying to dine out on a loss because no. there's enough boxers who dine out on their losses, and I hate it. But I've had some good wins. You know I've been the underdog in the three big fights I've had, and I've won two of them. 
Um, but yeah, to get back to your question, they're hard fights. Look, Fowler Fitzgerald are great, great fighters. I think me and Cheeseman's a fight of the year candidate. Um, I think I can beat Cheeseman. I think there's Sam Eggington as well. Yeah. Both Birmingham fighters. I boxed him in the amateurs. That's a great fight. He's got an IBF title. It's almost a derby, that, isn't it? He's just up the road, isn't he, from Stourbridge, not too far away from, from Tewksbury, where you're based. No, 100%. I mean, I'm, what, it's about half an hour away from me. And But look, I can't really go calling too many people out, Ed. I've been out the ring for, what, 18 months. And you was, you know, I'm old news. I'm not even on anyone's mind at the minute. I haven't had a fight. It's, it's really irrelevant until this boxing season starts. But I'm more than prepared to box any of these big names straight off now, whether it be Eggington, Cheeseman, Fowler, Fitzgerald. I know some of them have got mandatories come up now and... Um, but they need a warm-up fight. I mean, I've told Eddie Hearn this myself, and so's Errol. But I, I want to jump straight back in the in the mix with the big guys straight away. From you know financial reasons, and yeah. for I, I don't want to be messing around. At, I've already won the English title, so I don't want to go back to that level. Um, I mean, I vacated that just before I retired anyway. I, I, so I've got I, I, no. no... What, what, was the, what was the thought process? I was just going to say, what was the thought process behind coming back? Obviously, you say make a, a payday. Was it was there something left, as they say, in boxing in the basement, though, deep inside that you thought, I want to bow out on my own terms and, and, and kind of feeling that it's complete? Was that the motivation or what was your, your yeah, kind of, of decision making? I mean, because financially, um, I don't want to go into too many details, but I don't need to box for money. I mean, I've got a good job at the minute and um, I don't need to financially be boxing you don't make a lot of money unless you're in decent fights and it's not even really a lot of money people are shocked how much little money boxers earn but um yeah. so it's really all financial game but obviously everybody likes earning a few quid and if you get these bigger fights you, you earn enough to if you're sensible with your money you can do bits and bobs of it so i don't know yeah i think it was i didn't really get a chance to leave on my terms and um i guess i've got the bug back i was really missing it in the summer and um yeah, I just I guess that was all of it really. I just I knew there was a little bit left, uh, a little bit more blood left in the stone. I wanted to get out, and, <laughs> and nice. it is. I think that's why I'm still very content on doing it. I I live a much better life. I mean, my weight was superb. Three four weeks out from a journeyman fight, which is unheard of for me. I really struggled to get out for those fights, but I live yeah. a lot better life now. I mean, I'm still teetotal. I haven't drank for nearly six years. Um, drug and smoke free all my life, so I'm, I've really got the body of a. I feel fitter now at 31 than when I was 18. I generally do. So I definitely think there's plenty of life left in me. So do you feel um, happy at one... You said the weight was good. Do you feel happy at 154 pounds, um, 11 stones, the super welterweight, light or light middle, as it used to be called? No, I never feel happy at that, Ed. I'll be honest. <laughs> I make it. I always make the weight. I'm normally a pound or two underneath. But but you are you are a tall guy. You know, you must be... You're nudging six, six feet, aren't you? And you're, you're kind of broad as well. Yeah, and I've got big tree trunk legs and... <laughs> like it's, it's it's never nice making it. I don't have to do anything drastic, drastic, but it's a real. It's it's like a ten, twelve week solid dedication to make eleven stone. I mean, my left leg when I retired, when I came out your house last last time, was probably eleven stone. So, <laughs> and you're run, you're running miles then as well. To be fair, weren't you in the hills? You said. Yeah, yeah. I was doing half, half marathons a day, and the weight just piles on me. Like, look, I love my food. I'm my own worst enemy with my weight sometimes, but. Um, ideally, I mean, I boxed in the amateurs at 77 kilos sometimes, which is what, 12 stone five? And yeah. I was 20 then, 19, 20, 21. That's not far off light heavy, I mean, is it? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I'm not trying to imply that I'd want to be fighting Anthony Yard anytime soon, but I mean, it's <laughs> a 31 coming up 32 to be still trying to make that kind of weight. 11 stone is, but look, I'll do it as long as the big fights are there. But 
if a big fight came at middleweight, I'd happily go down. I'd happily go up to middleweight, whether that be for uh, the English title or middleweight. I'd, I'd love to be a two-weight English champion. Or um, there's another lad in Stoke, actually. I don't know if you've seen it. The guy that comes out to the Delilah song. Oh, yeah. Stoke fans. Yeah, I've called him out a couple of times, but um, we're both managed and promoted by the same people. And I think they're a bit scared. I'm going to bankrupt them because I beat him all day long and they know it. So they don't really want to entertain <laughs> that fight either. So, but I'm 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 happy to fight anybody at 154 or 160, if I'm honest. It's and po- that goes for anybody. It's, it's politics in boxing, though, isn't it? Do you think sometimes it's because if you're not bringing a big amount of ticket sales to it, that the people won't want to face you because they'll be fearful of, of losing their 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 O or their, their kind of record, their position? Yeah, 100%, 100%. I think proper real fighters, I mean, there's plenty of them about. I mean, I've mentioned all of them today. You've got your Cheesemans, your Eggingtons, Fitzgerald Fowlers, all that lot. They're real genuine fighters. They fight anybody. They've proven that um, with who they've boxed. So it's no disrespect. And I don't want to try and sound like a gobshite speaking of these people because I haven't really got the right to speak about them because I've been out for so long. But um, they're proper fighters. They fight anyone. Um, but you do get your your jokers and people like Nathan Heaney and Stoke who just, they won't fight anybody. I mean, they bought, they bought a guy from over from Malta to fight last time and it was embarrassing. I'd have been embarrassed to have a sparring session with him, let alone sell tickets for that price. And, but that's how, like you said, it's a business and it's a, a lot of politics. If you don't sell tickets and you're too much of a risk, then you're not really going to get, get the opportunity. It's madness, really. What, what would you like to happen now, Adam, in terms of the finale to your career? Then? What would you, how many fights are you, are you looking at and, and kind of the timescale involved? Obviously, we don't know when we're all going to go back to normality with, with Corona cri- uh, crisis at the moment. Um, it's hard, one, isn't it, Ed? It's hard because in an ideal world, I, I was going to have this comeback fight and I still may, depending on, like you said, what the landscape looks like when we return to normality. Um, I may have a chance to have a a comeback fight and then straight into a big fight and depending on how that big fight goes if the if you if I can keep moving with it and rolling with it then I don't know I've, I've said five fights but like I've said before and I've, there's some like I've got a there's I've got like someone in my life now who she doesn't really want me to fight she's come like now I've got a, a partner she's saying she doesn't really want me to fight anymore and she mm. doesn't understand why I do it she doesn't understand why I want to do all this training she sees it now like the diet in the the training and Obviously, I get a bit grouchy sometimes, and she just doesn't get why somebody would want to do what I'm doing. So she, she's concerned for your health, is she? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I get um, I get reminded quite often that this isn't really a sensible thing to be doing, which I I completely understand. But obviously, um, but have you have you spoken to her? Because when you were on the last podcast, and the listeners should check that out, you talked about what boxing gave you in terms of discipline and, and focus in your life. Does she sort of appreciate that aspect to it? Yeah, she understands everything in the sense of like it definitely helps me with my mindset and everything, keeping my weight down because it's well documented in my local town when I'm not training, I'm I'm a complete fat. Just I just balloon up in weight and I love my food, so it keeps me on the straight and narrow in that sense. But some people just don't get the, they just can't grasp the concept of training all day every day, dieting to go and get punched, and even if you're getting paid a bit of money or. The, all the positives out of it. Some people can't grasp it, which I completely understand. So I've got to be, have I've got other people to think about now. So I don't know. I think five fights maximum is what I'm saying. Um, yeah. It could be one. It could be two. I'm trying not to put a time scale and any pressure on it now. I'm just going to try and enjoy it for what it is. And if I start not enjoying it again, I, I will finally knock it on the head and just completely walk away. But um, I'm going to say five fights maximum. And then I think I'll be lynched if I do any more than that anyway. So I'll probably, <laughs> probably have to say five fights maximum and put, put it on that, I think. 
Yeah, a lot of sports people find it hard to walk away. Do you think you'll feel happy and content in retirement if you can just say this is ahead of time? You can say this is my last fight. You can make it and sort of feel it that, that it's a special occasion and just kind of be aware of, of saying goodbye. Would that would that make it right for you? Yeah, I think it'd make it a lot better than last time. I because I kind of went out. Although I kind of went out of the top of my game, so it probably wouldn't have got much sweeter leaving it. English champion, etc., etc. Because I always said if I won the English title, I would retire, and it did happen in that way. But I didn't retire the way I wanted to retire. So if, if like you said, I had the, I could say this is going to be my last fight. It's definitely going to be my last. Win, lose, or draw, I'll, I'll pack it up. It'd probably be the perfect way to go. But I don't want to be having one of these four rounders against a journeyman to finish. It would have to be like a good ten round, twelve round title fight. Win, lose, or draw, walk away that way because I couldn't, I couldn't be. Get walking away from boxing just on a gimme fight where you're gonna, you know, you're gonna win it. And does yeah. that make sense? What I'm saying, there has to be something yeah. tough to get me motivated, otherwise, it's pointless me doing it because I'll probably be having sneaky Ben and Jerry's every day if I'm boxing a journeyman. To... Yeah, you don't, you don't want to play at boxing, do you? You want to be focused 100% when, you, when you're doing it. And you, but you talk about it, you're inspiring when you talk about the sport and what it's given you because a lot of people worry about the health ramifications of it. They look at some lives that it's taken, but I think a lot of people say boxing saves more lives than it takes. And you, would probably count yourself as a case of that. And you've been teaching kids in school, haven't you, boxing? Tell us about that, because that's up in Birmingham, I understand. Yeah, up in the Telford area, actually. So it's about an hour and 10 minutes away from us. I work with um, three schools. So on a Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, I work with three different schools, a school each day. And then on a Monday and Wednesday, it's like a mixture of pupils who have been excluded, expelled from schools, and they will get sent to me. Uh, on a Tuesday, Thursday and Friday, I mean... I've worked with some, so we're delivering a boxing program where they get like a boxing leaders qualification. That's in England boxing. It's like the ABA uh, amateur boxing yeah. um, qualification, which is like the very low level um, where they can always be like a boxing assistant coach in a, in a club. They get a first aid qualification. They're doing some ASDAN qualifications and, and they're helping out in the community. So it's a really like, it's a really good program for these young people. And, um, I mean, I've worked with... You make, you're making an impact. You feel like you're making a difference with these boys uh, and girls, I guess. I hope so. To be fair, it is only boys at the minute. We've had no female students come in. Oh, uh, OK. Um, but on the Tuesday, definitely, I, I won't mention schools. I don't know for safeguarding reasons if I can, but on the Tuesday school, um, I've been working with the same kids. We started with about 12. We're down to about seven or eight now because some of them go back into school. Some of them stay with us. And I've seen them grow from, like, from young men into... No, young boys into young men, I guess, in that time. It's their final year at school and do a little bit. Um, I've helped them apply for colleges or spoke about apprenticeships. And I've just seen their attitude improve. Their boxing skills have all gone through the roof. Um, some of them have gone on to join amateur clubs. Um, I worked with a school on a Thursday and I worked with a young lad called Noah. And he's he, he actually now, he, he boxes for a club called Wellington up in Talford, which is a... Richie Woodall has a lot to do with that club. And um, he's probably oh, yeah. the best best naturally talented kid I've ever, ever seen. Um, he was already boxing for them. He came to me and he, he could already box really, really well. He hasn't had a bout yet, but he's the most naturally talented kid I've ever, ever seen. So it's rewarding people like that. And I worked with a young lad called Aaron on a Friday who, who now he trains. Yeah. He's gone from, um, I think they've done a, they've already, they spoke about this on the programme that, they're writing a bit about him because he's one of our real big success cases. He was smoking every day, drinking a bit, not doing any exercise. Now he's quit all that. He's running every day. He trains at Wellington as well. Um, and his boxing skills gone through the roof. I've had messages off his parents saying thank you for the help I've given Aaron, the advice. Like, and he's going to have a good career as well if he puts his mind to it. 
Um, so yes, it's real rewarding working with these young lads that are, are now like really good amateur boxers and go in that direction where they can do whatever they want. But it will give them the, I truly believe it will give them all the work ethic and the attitude to do whatever they want in life. I'm not trying to, I don't, I don't expect these young men to be become world champions or even ABA champions, but I think some of them have got the ability to, but I think it will give them the work ethic and the attitude to do whatever they want in life. And that's what I try and tell them, Ed, that, whatever they do yeah. they work hard they'll achieve anything whether that be an apprentice working in mcdonald's cleaning toilets but what i always say whatever you're going to do try and be the best at what you do and just put 100 percent effort in and they get the rewards back and most of the young lads i'm working with um they seem to go with it and it seems to be working you know their, their school behavior is getting better their home life's getting better the decisions they're making in and around school it all seems to be improving what does it give them a sense of improvement and hope? Does it that you work at something you get better? Do you think it gives them that sense and a, a discipline to things and how you can set goals and achieve them? Is that is that something that it, that it gives them? Um, I think it's hard to say. I think each each learner would be different. It'd be case by case, but especially these young people that I'm mentioning, the lads that I've said who have improved dramatically with their own boxing skills. Um, yeah, hundred percent. I think they can see that. If you if they're dedicating their, their 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 life to something or dedicating themselves to something and they're improving so much and they're getting a lot of praise for it a lot of respect for it their their peers are noticing that they're improving um, yeah I think it's just a case of they can see that if they work hard then they will be rewarded they will they will get results they just need to keep chipping away at whatever that may be well good work on that mate it's a fantastic project I'm glad you've been involved and hopefully. That can re- resume when the schools resume soon, or whatever that is, as, as you say, with coronavirus. But how are you keeping fit at the moment? You mentioned you're doing painting and decorating for your girlfriend's parents. Are you you're still <laughs> jogging? You get that daily exercise in? Yeah, well, funny enough, I did. Um, I woke up this morning and you think I'm mad. I, 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 do, I do crazy things. My coach says I'm a bit of a caveman. I woke up, I had, a black, I had two black coffees with, I think it was five teaspoons of coffee in it. So I, I was completely flying off caffeine and i text him saying look malcolm i need to do i'm going to do five or six miles today how fast do you want me to run it in and he said if you do six miles you've got to do it between 30 at least 39 minutes no yeah between 30 wow. 40 minutes no no later than that and i thought that was a bit of a tough ass so i got out on the road and i did i put it on my um Instagram wow. story actually i did my six miles in 39 minutes 45 so i just did a 10k today real quick i thought that was quite quick for me um good man then, and then just trying to do a mixture, really quick runs, and I'll still do me, me occasional fourteen milers. I remember last week, the first week when we were on lockdown, I did a nineteen miler followed by an eighteen miler or seventeen miler. I was just doing mad, crazy runs. I get very bored and itchy feet if I'm not out and about doing stuff. So I'm just trying to do as much running. And then actually, I was down in the leisure centre yesterday in Chooksbury, um, and I'd done my run. I came back and I was just doing some shadow boxing because it was all shut down. And um, there was no one around. I don't like doing too much stuff in public, but I don't like doing it in the house. So I was doing. Adam, sorry, <laughs> mate. Third time lucky. I've just <laughs> we lost no you there. Well, we, we're wrapping up anyway. But you're talking about all your athletic exploits, mate. It sounds fantastic. I'm glad you've you've got the boxing back. When we do return, appreciate your time. Um, for people who are listening, for some reason, I live in the middle of Cheltenham, but my reception is terrible on my phone. So hence, I think you may have dropped out then. Um, but I appreciate it, mate. Enjoy the painting and decorating and keep me posted on what you're doing and on social media and I'll share as, as much as I can. Are you keeping your social media up so people can follow your story and, and know when you, when you might be out next? Yeah. Um, it was all over Instagram and I, I came back on Facebook, but I deactivated that. I'm not a big fan of Facebook. I think it's um, <laughs> quite a negative thing. So that's gone again at the minute and I've lost my Twitter password. Cause um, funny enough, oh, I was no. actually going to 
I was actually going to call out Ted Cheeseman the other day, so I don't know if you can tag him <laughs> in any for me, Ed. That might be good, but... Um, look, yeah, I'll well, I'll write, I'll write this up for Sky Sports, and I'll mention Ted Cheeseman in there and stuff, so if you're keen for, for that fight again, the, the, the guy from South London, yeah. Yeah, look, you write about any names you want, please, Ed. Any, any like middle or middleweight on a Sky Sports show, and I'm ready to go, just... Uh, just, I just need that opportunity and I'll be ready to, to dance with any of them. Good man. Well, um, Adam, appreciate it. And do say hello to Cy Goodwin for me as well. I hope he's keeping well. I know him from down at Cheltenham Town as well. No, yeah, of course I will. I'll probably see him later. He's probably sick to his back teeth for me now. I'm always in the <laughs> He's probably had enough of me being here. From when I saw, so I'm doing a bit of decorating to try and uh, just um, be a bit more polite so he can let me stay for a few more days. Well, good man. Can't go anywhere with coronavirus, but thank you very much, Adam Harper. Yes, appreciate sir. it. Thank Follow you. your story, mate. Thank you. Bye-bye.